song we just sang is a theme that runs throughout the New Testament of the hope and the strength that we gain from our Lord and Savior. Uh, the hope that is like an anchor that, that holds us firm and, and steadfast through troubles and trials of this life regardless of what comes. In this life we continually face troubles and discouragements and disappointments, but as we said, the Bible teaches that even in the hardest of times, even in the most difficult situations, that it's possible to face these distresses in life with, with courage and comfort and even good cheer. I, I was studying through uh, the New Testament, and it's interesting. There are some words that are used in the New Testament used once. And of course, all of them are important, no matter how many times they're used. But when something's used several times, it makes you want to stay up and pay attention to it. And there was a phrase that is found in the New Testament, or really a, a term that is translated in a phrase several times in the New Testament. In fact, I found nine times this word, or at least a, a form of it, is found uh, in the New Testament. Nine times. Most of the time it's used by our Lord. Uh, two times it's used out of the nine uh, as referring to what we have as a result of of what we have in Christ Jesus. Now I want us to take a little time and look at this term. It's interesting that it's translated different ways in different uh, translations, but it's translated to take courage. Sometimes it's translated in the King James Version as to be of good cheer or to be of good comfort. Sometimes this phrase, I noticed even in the uh, New uh, Version, the English Standard Version, that it's it's translated, take heart, which that's what courage is, uh, core, age, the state of heart, really. Core is the heart of something, then. Got the core of an apple, that's the heart of it. And age is the state of something, like marriage, that's the state of matrimony. So courage is the state of having heart, or uh, having courage. So taking heart. This is a phrase that's used, like I said, many times by our Savior, or speaking of what we have through our Savior. I want us to take and look at these passages, not all of them. We don't have time to look at all nine. Some of them are kind of repeated in the Gospels. Uh, but look at these places where the Lord said this, or the result of what somebody had is what they had in Christ, so that we can, as we face distresses, trouble, strife in our life, that we can take courage, be of good cheer, be of good comfort. Now, one of the first places I want you to turn is Matthew chapter 14. This is one of the places it's used. Matthew 14, we'll start down about verse 23. And as you think about the context here, now, as I said, some of these are recorded twice. We have a record of this over Mark chapter 6. Uh, but we want to look at Matthew 14 this morning in his account. This takes place right after Jesus has miraculously fed the multitude. 5,000 men besides the women and children. And he done that with just five little pieces of bread, five loaves and two little fishes. And all of this, of course, was to point out to who he was. It wasn't just for the fact of feeding people. John calls these miracles signs. He, he records this. He didn't use this term. It's used, this term is used in Matthew. It's used in, in Mark. But he calls this miracle a sign. It points to something else. It pointed to the fact that Jesus is the the Son of God, and that He has power as the Son of God to sustain us, not just physically with food, but with spiritual food. With what, and He would later go on to talk about 
when they misunderstood this, that he was the bread of life that had come down out of heaven. But in Matthew 14, down in verse 23, after he had fed the 5,000, it says that he had sent the multitudes away. He went upon the mountain himself to pray, and when it was evening, he was there alone, but the boat, whom he sent his disciples on ahead of in the boat, were many stadia away from the land, battered by the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and when he... The disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were frightened and said, It's a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Now this is one of the places this term's used. Take courage. I think the, the King James Version here says, Be of good cheer. But the idea is taking heart, being of comfort, good comfort, being of courage, now, these men were facing troubles. Physically, they were. They were rowing hard, and they'd been rowing hard against the waves and the, uh, the wind all night and the darkness of the night, and they were no doubt tired. They were weary. If you've ever rowed a boat in the wind, you know what that's like. Not long ago, Jed and I, we were trying, we'd been working on this little old boat for I don't know how long. This was back in the fall. We finally, I finally got it back running by the time wintertime came. We couldn't use it. But before that, we got out, and we were, we were trying to get the boat going, and we thought we had it running good, and we got out and should have known better to do that on a windy day to test out your boat motor. But we got out there, and we thought, well, it's running good, so we hit it on out, and then it quit, and it wouldn't start. So we had our paddles, and we rode, and we rode, and we rode, and for every 10 times we'd row, we'd go about 11 times back. And finally, we just got over to a, to a side, and held on to a little tree. Somebody come by and pulled us into the dock. Um, but we were tired. Jed was sure that we had a trolling motor the next time that we went to go try out the regular motor so we wouldn't have to row. You'd be tired rowing. They'd done it all night. And then here comes Jesus walking on the water and here's the term which we're interested in our lesson. Here's the attitude. Here's the peace. Here's the confidence. Here's the mindset that we want to have when we face difficulties in life. We want to be able to take courage, Jesus said. Be of good cheer. Now you can imagine him saying that to them in this situation. They're give out. They're afraid. And he said, take courage. Be of good cheer. These words wouldn't mean much if it was just coming from anybody, would it? Anybody can come up to you and say, well, just take courage. Pat you on the back. Be of good cheer. Uh, you'll be all right. And not have any power to back that up. And those words can seem empty. But not so with the one who spoke these words. Even in a time where it was hard, even the time where you would be afraid, he says, don't be afraid, take courage. And the reason he's able to say that is because he says, it is I. Who is he? Well, this is the Son of God. Now, other people can come up and they can try to tell you to be encouraged and be of good cheer. 
But here's the one thing, here's the only one who can tell you to truly take courage and not be afraid if you face the difficulties in life, things that may be beyond your control, he can put it under his control. And he says, you be of good courage, and by his power and his promises, he can give you something to enable you to have blessedness regardless of what you're facing in life. Through his word, through his providence, he will see to it that you will make it. That was what he was trying to teach these disciples. It's recorded for us, and this phrase is recorded for us, that we might know that it's Jesus who says, take courage, be of good cheer, be of good comfort. And only through him can we have it. You know, there are times all of us are tossed on the sea of life. And there's a lot of times in this life we face dark times and we struggle against the winds of trials and we're tossed by the waves of troubles. But just as Jesus came to those disciples in that boat, we can be of good courage because Jesus is near. Because Jesus came near to them and because of who said it, Jesus said, you can take courage. And when you face hard things in your life, no matter how hard they are, how dark it is, how hard the wind blows, how hard the waves crash, no matter how dark it may seem, Jesus comes near and through him you can take courage and you can be of good cheer. Because he gives us the wherewithal to to be able to overcome. Jesus understands. You know, sometimes people tell us and they say, well, you know, be, be of good courage, be of good comfort, and they can sympathize with us, but they may not know what we're going through. But the Lord knows. He knows. If nobody else knows, the Lord knows. It was prophesied that he would be that kind of Messiah, that he'd be that kind of Christ. In Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, in verse 3, and we sing about that in one of our songs, that he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Now, 750 years before he ever come, it was prophesied through Isaiah that that's what kind of fellow he was going to be. Because he would be a fellow. He would be a person who understands. He came and lived his life in the flesh. And he was a man of sorrow. And he was acquainted with grief, and he understands. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, he says, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. He's gone through it all, and he understands. And I can look at the divinely recorded accounts of where people trusted in the Lord, and they were not disappointed. You might put your trust in men, and... They may tell you to take courage and to be comforted and be of good cheer and you might be let down. But not so with the Lord. Because he understands and he has power to see to it that you can take courage and that you can be of good cheer and everybody that's always relied on the Lord was not disappointed. You can see it just as well as the psalmist did. You can go back and then look at the accounts all through the Old Testament of those who trusted in God, who was not disappointed. In Psalm 22 in verse 4, that's what the psalmist had done. He looked at the examples, and he come to the conclusion, saying, In thee our fathers trusted, they trusted, thou didst deliver them. To thee they cried out, and were delivered. In thee they trusted, and they were not disappointed. You might be disappointed by men, but you won't be disappointed 
If you realize that the Lord has come near and tells you to take courage, if the Lord says take courage, as the Lord says you can be of good cheer, as the Lord says be comforted, you can know that you can be comforted. He has the power and the wherewithal to see to it that you will be comforted. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. He'd suffered many troubles and trials when he served the Lord diligently. Just because you serve the Lord doesn't mean you're not going to face hard things in life. Paul served him diligently and he was hounded from pillar to post by those who were in opposition to him and his teaching. But you look over at Acts 23 and verse 11 and this was a time when he had just come from standing before and being abused by the Jewish council. It was now being cast back into confinement. But in Acts 23 and verse 11, here's our word again. Here the Lord was near to him. Everybody might have seemed to be aloof. Everybody might seem to be have, have, have left him. But here he stood and on the night immediately following, Acts 23 and verse 11, the Lord stood at his side. You see, the Lord is near. And he says, take courage. For as you have solemnly witnessed my cause in Jerusalem, you must also witness, be my witness in Rome also. The Lord was near to those disciples in that boat, and the Lord was near to his disciple Paul when he was in prison. And when he faced opposition, when he was facing hard times, he said, you take courage, you be of good cheer, you be of good comfort. Why? Because I'm near. Because I'm here. We can imagine the comfort that Paul must have had from that. And even on future occasions when evil would befall him, time and time again the Spirit would warn Paul of what was coming, what awaited him. But by these words, by the promise of the Lord, Paul was able to take courage. And he said, I do all things through him who strengthens me. Take courage. Because the Lord's near. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He himself said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, that we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what men may do to me. No matter what comes, I can take courage be of good cheer, be of good comfort because of the Lord. Because he's near. And yet there are multitudes of people in this world who continue to row against the storms of life with dread and uncertainties and weariness and fear and unwilling to trust and obey the Lord. And it's mind-boggling, isn't it? Once you've come to Jesus Christ and realize what you have in him, to know that you can have peace and comfort and strength and encouragement no matter what comes. We need to remember that and never turn back to the world, anything that keep us from serving the Lord. Stay near to him, he'll be near to us, and we can overcome. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you've not had your sin removed, you're not... Jesus is willing to be near to you and give you this encouragement and you can take courage but not without it. That's why he said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's he saying? He's saying come, take courage, be of good cheer, lay your burden down. Have rest for your soul. And that's the only way a person can have it. The only way a person can take courage and be of good cheer and be of good comfort 
to take heart is to be near to the Lord, and the only way to do that is to have your sins forgiven. But, you know, we can take courage and be of good cheer because our sins are forgiven in Him. Here's another place that it's used over in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1 and 2. Here he was getting into the boat and Jesus crossed over the sea and came to his own city. Verse 2 it says, They brought to him a paralytic lying on the bed. And seeing their face, Jesus said to the paralytic, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. You know, what peace of mind. That's the only way you can get it, isn't it? There is no peace of mind as long as there is sin in your mind. You can't take heart when your heart's not clean. But when your sins are forgiven, then you can take heart. Then you can take courage. Then you can have comfort. How is Jesus able to make such a promise? Look what he said in verse 3. Some of the scribes and were saying to themselves, this fellow blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he got up, and he went home. You can have courage and you can have comfort and you can be of good cheer when your sins are forgiven and the only one who can a- is able to, to make such a promise that your sins are forgiven is Jesus. But he says in, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Your sins will be forgiven. He said through the apostle in Acts 2 and verse 38, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And he can do that if he can feed 5,000 men besides the women and the children with five loaves and two fishes. If he can heal a man who couldn't walk just by saying, get up and go to the house. If he says, I forgive your sins, you can be assured that he's forgiven your sins and they'll be remembered no more. There's conditions to it. He says you need to repent, be baptized, live faithfully to me. But you can be assured in him that you can, you can take courage and you can take comfort as his son, as his child. For as many have been baptized into Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. We're all sons of God How? through faith in Jesus Christ. And those who have clothed themselves with Christ have been baptized into Christ. You're a son of God. My son... Your sins are forgiven, he said. You can take courage as a result. Can't take courage if you're still sinning in your life. Or you let sin creep back in your life. But John tells us, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we're willing to confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if you're cleansed from all unrighteousness before God, you know you can take courage and you can be comforted. You know, we can take courage and we can take comfort and we can be of good cheer also because of the encouragement that we receive from our brethren. That's one of the blessings that we have when we are near to Christ. When our sins are forgiven, that means that we're in fellowship with those who have done the same. And we receive encouragement from those 
who are in Christ Jesus. And as a result of that, we can be of good courage, we can be of good cheer, we can be of good comfort. One of the places you look at Acts 28, verse 15, now this is why Paul has now appealed to Caesar and he is on his way to Rome and you remember it was a treacherous journey to make it to Rome. He'd been shipwrecked. Finally, they had taken another ship, an Alexandrian ship. Remember, it had the, the twins for, its, for the ship head. They finally made it all the way up close to Rome, and now they're traveling on land. Paul's a prisoner, going to be put in prison with a, with a guard by his side. But on his way, as he was making his way to Rome, it says there in verse 15, The brethren, when they heard about us, came there from as far as the marketplace of Appius and three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and he took courage. Here's a form of our word. He took courage. He was of good cheer. Can you imagine how he must have felt? He's on his way to prison. But because these brethren, and the only reason they came was because here was a brother in Christ. Here was someone who was in need of encouragement. And they came, evidently it was pretty good ways. It says they came all the way from that marketplace. They came all the way from three ends. Why? To encourage. And he did encourage. It says when he saw them. Can you imagine how he felt? Felt like he's all alone. You ever feel like you're all alone in the world? You need to remember there's brothers in Christ all over this world. And there's brothers in Christ who are praying for you. There's brothers in Christ who... Who come and when they when they come and encourage you, you you've been there, haven't you? You ever been down and your brothers and sisters of Christ come up and say something to you and let you know that they they care about you and they're praying for you? Then you can take courage, can't you? God knew that we needed that, and that's why He tells us to do it. He tells us to give encouragement to one another. You imagine what these brethren meant to Paul. Not just these brethren from these places. But everywhere he went, there was brethren who loved him and loved the Lord. And when you love the Lord and you've got something in common with your brethren, you're encouraged by them when you're with them. That's, that's why we want to be together in our assemblies. You ought not have to encourage somebody to be the assemblies. We ought to always want to be the assemblies, not only to receive encouragement, but to give encouragement to our brethren so that we can take courage and be of good cheer and be of comfort. That's how he uses this word. How did he receive it? Because of the encouragement of the brethren. You remember before this when he was being told that he was going to be cast in, in prison. He's going to be confined. You remember Agabus came and, and tied his hands in, uh, earlier in, in the book of Acts. You remember he, when he was on his way and he passed from uh, Troas on down to Miletus and he called for the elders and the brethren there from Ephesus to come down there and meet him. In chapter 20 of Acts, verse 36, it says, when he had said these things, he's about to leave them, and, he, and they knew that he, they may not ever see him again. It says, he knelt down and prayed with them, right there on the beach. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the words that he had spoken that they might not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. You think that gave him courage? <laughs> they loved him. Brethren love one another and they help one another and they encourage one another. 
and to build one another up. One of the reasons we can take courage is what we've got in Jesus is the, is the love and, that, and appreciation that we have for one another when we show that. That's wonderful. I've received that kind of encouragement. Do you know we've got the great responsibility of giving it to other people? One of the reasons we go to a gospel meeting is to be encouraged. And you will. You go hear the gospel preach and you hear the singing. And you, but I tell you another reason you go is so you can encourage somebody else. And I want to tell you, folks could come from the market of Appius and, and from three ends all the way to just encourage Paul. We ought to be able to travel a little way sometimes to go to a gospel meeting. Not only to receive encouragement, but to give it. We ought to be able to go across town and talk to our brothers and sisters, maybe who, who's discouraged because of some ailments that they have. How much do we encourage them? We can announce it every Sunday, that they're here, they're there, but when do we go see them? When do we write them? I want to tell you, there's a lot of people who sent a lot of encouragement to us and during the time that we've had. And it, I want you to know we appreciate it. Maybe you take courage, doesn't it? Have good cheer and take comfort. It means something. You know, Philippian brethren, Paul, he, he loved them. He, we call that letter the letter of joy. Why? Now, this was after Paul was in prison. Here's after he'd gone. And he's there in Rome. And he has a, he's chained to a guard. And he's able to write a letter to these brethren and, and say rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. How's he able to have that? Well, it's because of the relationship they have these brethren. And he knew that the Lord was near. It's easier to remember the Lord's near when the Lord's people comes and reminds you of that. Hey. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always offering prayers with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of the participation of the gospel that you had from the first day until now. They were right there with him in his work. He knew it. Oh, they were a long way away from him. They were in Macedonia. He was in Rome. But he knew they were right there with him and he was praying for them and he knew that they were praying for him. And they'd even sent to his need. Philippians 4 and verse 15, you yourself know Philippians at the first preaching of the gospel. After I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent me a gift more than once to my need. Back in verse 1 of chapter 4, he'd said, my beloved brethren, I long to see my joy and my crown. In this way, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. He loved them, and they loved him. You know, we... we we have to take encouragement, but we need to give encouragement. And we need to do that. So, you know, we said this means take heart. This word, take heart. For our heart to be what it needs to be, for our heart not to become evil and falling away from God, we need encouragement. We need encouragement from our brethren. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, Take care, brethren. That there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. How do you keep from having that kind of heart? Well, you need to take heart. And you, you do that by the encouragement that you receive. He said, verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, so that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that our heart won't become hard when we face hard times, when we face temptation. If our brothers and sisters are there to help us to to take heart and to be encouraged and to be comforted. He says, you need to help one another that you don't have that kind of heart. And encouragement keeps you from having it. That's what the Lord's saying. That's how he's using this word. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the symbol of ourselves together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. When you get that, you can take heart. <laughs> and we need it. We need it all the time. We need it ourselves, and we need to give it at every assembly. You know, Jeff read us this passage uh, earlier from Romans chapter 12, and we can spend a, a whole lesson just on this, but I don't want to briefly look at it. Here's, here's all the different ways that you can do this. Verse 10, he says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Don't be lagging behind and diligent, but be fervent in the Spirit. Serve in the Lord. Fervent in the Spirit means, that word fervent, I mean, it's like boiling on a stove. He says, you know, just got to be fervent in it. What fervent in what? How do you serve the Lord? What is by serving one another? By encouraging one another that they might take heart. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. You got to pray for one another. And you got to contribute to the needs of the saints. When you see a need, Help them out. Physical, spiritual, whatever it is, help them out. Encourage them that they might take heart. Practice hospitality. Have one another in your homes. Go out and and we need uh, spiritual fellowship. It's important that we have some social fellowship together and and talk about the spiritual thing. And show hospitality to one another. And bless those who persecute you and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. All kinds of ways that we can encourage one another. So that we might take heart. But finally, we can take courage and be of good cheer and be of comfort because through the Lord we can overcome everything. Not just what's here. Persecution. But even death. Even then we can take courage. In John 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you that you might have peace. That's the only way you can have comfort in it. That's the only way you can truly have heart. I'm speaking this that you might have peace in the world. He said, You have tribulation. But you, here's our word, take courage. Be of good cheer. Be of good comfort. I have overcome the world. For those who will come in obedience to Christ by submitting their lives to Him, by repenting and being baptized into Christ, they have the promise that the Lord will always be with them in their afflictions and hardships here, but He'll be with you even in death. You know, even as Jesus stated these words in John 16, when He said, Take courage, I've overcome the world. He stood in the shadow of death. It'd just be hours before He's going to be crucified when He's made this statement. And he knew the power of the resurrection. That had been given him to the Father. I'll lay my life down, I'll raise it down, I'll take it back. And those who are in Christ have that power. We too will live even if we die, we'll overcome even death. Those who have not come to Jesus can't look at death that way. They can't take good courage, they can't be of good cheer, they can't be comforted, they can't pillow their head at night knowing that they're right with God and they, they fear it. But with Jesus, with him near, he says, don't be afraid, I'm near. Take courage. Through Jesus, you can have your sins forgiven. You can take courage. Even as you face things, you've got the encouragement of your brethren who've had their sins forgiven, who are near to the Lord, and they can encourage you. And Jesus says, you take courage. I, through me, I've overcome the world. 
through me, you can overcome it all. Isn't that what he said to the church at Smyrna? They were fixing to face hard times, persecution. Some of them are going to face death. Revelation 2 and verse 10, he said, Do not fear what you're about to suffer. If the Lord's near, you don't have to fear. Behold, the devil's about to cast some of you into prison so that you be tested and you'll, be, you'll have tribulation ten days, but be faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life. He who has an ear, let hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes, and you can overcome through Jesus. He's overcome the world. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death, he said. You can overcome through Jesus. You can take courage and you can have comfort. Now we talked about this yesterday at the funeral. Brother Edgar asked if I read this passage yesterday. First Thessalonians 4, 13 and following. What's it saying that we can have courage and be of good comfort no matter what comes? Because death is nothing. To the Lord. No more than if you're asleep. That's the power he has, the power of the resurrection. Through him you can overcome all things. And therefore he said the Lord will descend, verse 16, from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive will remain uh, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be the, there with the Lord. Therefore, what? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He's saying, Take comfort, take courage. I've overcome the world. Through him, we can overcome all things. Through him, we can have courage, we can be of good cheer, we can be of comfort. Because of who he is and what we have through him. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never come to Jesus, then you can't have that comfort. You can't have that courage because sin separates you from the Lord. The Lord's willing to be near. You're willing. He's willing to forgive your sins. And you can be brought nearer to the Lord by being baptized. He, you can have him save you, son. Your sins are forgiven. If you repent and be baptized this morning, we'll assist you in that. If you're